0: I'm so excited to be with you this morning. It is my absolute privilege and honor to be serving in this house today. If this is your first time with us this morning, I want to say welcome to the family. I want to say there's a seat at our table, and we're so glad that you're here. We believe church is better because you're in it, and uh, you're the reason why we do it, and we're just so glad that you guys joined us today. I don't believe it's a coincidence that you're here this morning. I'm convinced that God has something to say to you. Our loving, kind, benevolent Father has something to say to you and to me today. Um, I'm mindful of the words that Philip said at the Last Supper. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. And so my prayer this morning, as I, you know, I, I drove around the area a little bit, I may have looked a little stalkerish as I was driving slowly past houses, just like, <laughs> so I did, and I was just praying through the area, just thanking God for this wonderful place, thanking God for this wonderful church, and um, I read this quote the other day, that I am the fruit of someone else's sacrifice, and that is true of my life. For your senior pastors, Jason and Sue, I'm the, I'm the fruits of their sacrifice. They, are, they were my leaders. They are still my leaders. I honor them. And uh, just the example and how they're speaking to our lives, myself and Kelly, um, we are absolutely so blessed. And I want to say this, you might not know this, but you are so blessed to have such amazing people lead you. You can honor them with, together with me this morning. Thank you so much. And as I was driving around, I was mindful of what Peter said, of what Philip said to, to Jesus, rather. He said, show us the heart of the Father. Show us the Father. And that'll be enough for us. And, you know, you may be new to this Christianity thing. on coming to church today, and this book may look like a book of laws, but it's not a book of laws at all. I found so much life in God's Word. There's so much life here today. And uh, I want to encourage you that the Lord is inviting you, even as Jason spoke about it, He's inviting you to receive life this morning. Uh, not just to be in a building, not just to sit in a service, but to receive life this morning, the brief moments that we have together, two, maybe three, maybe four hours together. Hey, Jace. that's how you got, amen, lock the doors, welcome to church. I'm praying that God would speak to you powerfully, clearly in your heart today, that you'd walk away not knowing, you know, not just having heard a very good-looking bald man speak to you today, exceptionally Vin Diesel, The Rock, I've been known, called by many names. Some people come up to me and ask me for singing. I say, it's not me, it's not me, please. It's not me, please. And then sometimes I sign Anyway, but you wouldn't have heard just a guy on a stage talking, but you'd walk away convinced, no, that you've heard from your heavenly Father. Amen. Lord, show us the Father, and that's going to be enough for us. Show us the Father, and that's going to be enough for us. I pray that could be the case this morning. So I'm going to ask you, I'm inviting you to pray with me this morning, to talk to the Father. Maybe it's been a long time since you've spoken with the Lord. That's okay. It hasn't been a long time since He's been thinking about you. The Bible says his thoughts outnumber the grains of sand on the seashores about your life. You may have been unaware of him for a long time, but he has never, ever been unaware of you. And prayer, prayer is not about information. He knows everything. It's not about information. Prayer is about access. And so when we pray, we're not telling him something we don't know. He knows everything. All we're doing now is we're giving him access. Lord, I'm giving you access to my heart now. I'm giving you access to my mind. I'm giving you access to my family, I'm giving you access to my business, I'm giving you access to my finance, I'm giving you access to my children, I'm giving you access to my marriage. I don't know where, you know, it lands in different places, but it's not about information. Prayer is all about access. So I'm asking you to open the door of your heart and give him access to your life this morning. So come on, let's pray together today. Lord, we love you and we're so grateful that we get to be in your presence this morning. And as we sing out your praises, we know that you inhabit the praises of your people. And when the king is present, darkness is absent. I lift up every person before you right now, God, and I pray for someone especially who's feeling anxious or worrisome, may feel a little bit deferred or disappointed, God, may feel like they're in a valley. I thank you that you're with us, that you can never be separated from us, Lord, and and that you're with us in every season. I pray that you would speak courage into their heart right now. Faith would come out their life, and they would know that the king of the universe is on their side. They would walk out knowing that my heavenly father loves me, knows me, is with me, and for me. He lives inside of me, and yeah, Lord, we just pray right now that we would become more like you, be with you, become like you, and then do what you did then in your precious, precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, this morning, I'm going to be sure show- this is a very high pulpit. Uh, this is the lower one. No, 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 this is good. I'm just, I feel a little intimidated. It's like up here. <laughs> hey, everyone. this is great. The words are really close to me, which is, which is awesome. <laughs> Amen. I've been in church for a little while now and uh, I've come to find that this is a truth for me and I believe the truth for many, that the gospel only becomes powerful when it becomes personal. The gospel only becomes powerful when it becomes personal. Otherwise it's just the gospel of the Bible or the gospel of the church or the gospel of my friend or the gospel of that guy down the road that wears what would Jesus do bangles. I don't know if people still wear this, but I don't know. It always becomes their gospel, that gospel, but it never becomes my gospel. And it only becomes powerful when it becomes personal. And what I share from today, and as we look back on how Jesus came, our prayer becomes personal so that it can be powerful, so it can change your life forever. At this time of year, we look back and remember how Jesus came. And, you know, I think at this church and our church especially as well, like we we don't need any reason to celebrate. We're just going to party. If it's any reason, we're going to celebrate no matter what. If it's food, if it's family, if it's fun, if it's free, it's for me. Come on, say amen. I'm just saying we're going to have a good old time. I encourage you next weekend to get to the 6 p.m. or the two Christmas services. We're going to have a good old time here. I believe there's Borevos there's here today. There is Borevos here today, like right now. Okay, let's just ra- let's close in prayer, and we can just go. We can just go. Come on now. We can just go straight there. But we have no, I mean, like, we love celebrating the goodness of God, the faithfulness of our King. And you know, this was true of the early church as well. They celebrated all the time. In fact, if I read the scriptures correctly, it's like they hardly even worked. I mean, they celebrated harvest time. They celebrated sowing time. They celebrated redemption time. They were just always celebrating. I want to go back then. Yeah, Well, no, it's not going to bless me. But anyway, I'm growing physically and spiritually in the Lord. We're going to celebrate. They think back on how God has been so good to them. In fact, when Joshua crossed the River Jordan, he said, build the biggest pile, the biggest pile of stones, this altar. And they asked him, why are we doing all this work? He said, so that every generation remember that our God makes a way where there was no way. Build the biggest, come on, we need to remember. When we break bread together, Jesus said, come together so that you can remember what I did for you. You set free, you're going to heaven. It's some good news today. Available and accessible. You know, they, they would take, this, the shepherd's boy would have a staff and a, and a sling in the hand, if you remember David. On the staff, they would engrave some of the great things God has done for the children of Israel. They would have engraved manna falling from heaven. They would have engraved the Red Sea parting. They would have engraved the great exodus of Egypt. He would have engraved the lion and the bear and it said he had a sling and a staff when he looked at Goliath. And some people have likened me to Goliath too. They said, this big tall guy, just, just got abs. And I said, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. But he would have looked, it said, the Bible says that he had a staff and a sling in the hand. He would have looked at the staff and said, well, he got me through the bear. He got me through the line, He got us through the sea, He got us out of Egypt, and He'll get me through this obstacle today. It's so powerful when we remember what God has done, and that's exactly why we're making a big deal about Christmas. It should be a big deal, because we remember it's an anchor for our soul. He didn't wait for us to come to heaven, He came down to earth. It's a wonderful truth that the gospel meets us where we're at right now, meets you where you are at right now. He came then, but He's still here now, even this morning. Even with you as you sit in this chair today. So, I've got one account that I want to share with you. It doesn't have anything to do with a Christmas story, but it has everything to do with the heart of the Father. And uh, maybe this might resonate with you this morning. Jason's like, I said a Christmas story. <laughs> Sorry, no Christmas story here today. But there are Borivus roles to offset <laughs> the disconnect in Jesus' name. Maybe the last time I preach here. <laughs> Might as well just go down swinging. <laughs> We're in the 11th chapter of the book of John, and I read through this portion of Scripture many times, and I'm praying. That I see myself in different spaces in this text, and I hope you see yourself in this text too. It's about a man named Lazarus. It says, now, a man named Lazarus, as I said, was sick. He was from Bethany, a village of, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary, This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lays sick, was the same one, who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When you heard this, Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death, no. It is for the glory of God, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. All the facts show impending death. All the facts show impending gloom, but God, Jesus said this is actually not going to end in gloom, this is going to end in glory. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you feel like all the facts are showing that it's going to end in gloom. And God speaks into this situation. Jesus says that it's not going to end in gloom; it's going to end in glory. He goes on to say, after a while, from verse eleven, it says, after this he said, uh, uh, after he had said this, he went to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to there to wake him up. Note that nobody told Jesus. There's no account of someone coming to Jesus and saying, Hey, Jesus, Lazarus has you know, he's passed. It just says that he knew. And I think that's the case today, that God knows. He knows what you're facing right now. He's not unaware. He's fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, but if he sleeps, he'll get better. They did not know that Jesus was saying that Lazarus is dead. Shame, you know, you just get those disciples that the Lord needs to be patient with. Come on now. Those, you get, I'm one of those disciples where they're just, oh, Shame. Like, you just get this, you love your children equally, but some children are a little bit... <laughs> I'm one of those children, I admit it myself, that The angels must look at my life and, ah oh shame, he hasn't got it yet. Ah oh shame, bless his heart. No, it's Dino again. It's, it's Dino again. Yeah, he doesn't, hasn't, he's not fuck it, he's not on it. He's thinking about Burrows rolls. Ah <laughs> oh shame, bless his heart. And Jesus teaches his disciples. He's, as Jesus said, had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he had meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, and I think this is what Jesus said and how we said it is important. I think he said it like this, Lazarus is, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking, he didn't say it like that. He had way more patience and kindness than what we might have had. He said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you might believe. Let's go to him. Why would Jesus say, I'm so glad that I wasn't there when he died so that you may believe? It reminds me of the account of the disciples in the boat when the storm rises up. Do you know that account? Where they're crossing the sea and the storm rises up and water. It says water's coming into the boat and they're all scared. At the end of the whole occasion, after Jesus quiets down the storm, we sang about it. After Jesus stills the storm, what did the disciples say? The disciples say, who is this man that even the wind and the sea obey his word? After the storm, they had a greater revelation of who Jesus was. And Jesus saying, I'm actually glad I wasn't there so that you could even believe even more. Sometimes we go through dark valleys and dark times, but God's saying, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm actually waiting, because at the end of it, you'll be undoubted. No one will ever be able to question that that was the Lord that came through for you. In your heart and mind, you'll say, no, it wasn't chance, it wasn't luck, it wasn't Murphy, it wasn't my friend next door, it was God himself that came through for me and my family. He gets all the glory, he gets all the God, honor, he gets all the praise. Sometimes he lets us go into these spaces, allows them so at the end of the space, we can say, "Cheese, surely God is in this place. Surely he's on my side. Surely he's come through for me and my family. May he receive all the glory, honor, and praise. Why would he give glory to someone else when someone else can't save our soul? He allows us to fix our eyes on him in those tough spaces. And he says, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you might believe. goes on to say from verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. As if Jesus couldn't just say a word and he'd be healed. But I know that even now, everyone say even now. even now. Even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Even now. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again. In the resurrection of the last day, she was talking about the second coming. She was ahead of the game. But again, Jesus just being patient, saying, no, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And asks her the same question he asks you this morning Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is our hope. He says, In the beginning, he will not, this will not end in death, it will end in glory. Then Lazarus dies. It's almost as if Jesus had lied. Did Jesus get it wrong? No. The story had not finished yet, but we come to find in this text that Jesus always gets the last word. No matter what the facts say, the truth changes the facts. The facts can't change the truth. Jesus spoke the truth preceding the facts, and then the facts happened, and then the facts changed. He came back to life again. Continues to say, from verse 39, "They go to the place where Lazarus is laying. He says, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor for you. has been there for four days. Some of you haven't shined for four days. There's a bad odor. There's something out there. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, "Lazarus, come out!" The dead man came out. I love that. The dead man came out. It's like a. I love that how the facts can just submit to the truth. The truth always trumps the facts. The dead. When Jesus speaks, it doesn't matter what the facts are. When Jesus speaks, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Even a dead man that smells bad. When he speaks, things change in Jesus' name. He has all authority. The truth is, what story do you believe? Do you believe the government has all authority? Do you believe that your employer has all authority? Do you believe that your Savior has all authority over all things? It says the dead man came out. His hands and feet strapped with strips of linen, wrapped with strips of linen rather, a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off those grave clothes and let him go. What a great account this morning. I see myself in different spaces in that account. I see myself sometimes... As Lazarus, sometimes I'm like I'm in the situation where there's only one way it can go. There is no other way. It feels like this great thing is coming to an end. I'm wondering what have you ever thought what Lazarus was thinking? Like my one of my best buds is the Messiah, like the one who calls things that aren't as they were. I'm sick. Surely he can do something about it. Don't you think he felt a little disappointed? Maybe he didn't think he was going to end this way. He was like. Sure, Jesus didn't say it was going to roll out like this. I feel like my life is being cut short. It feels like there's nothing I can do. And truth be told, it feels like his hands are tied. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I know I see myself in Lazarus' position many times where I feel like, well, there's nothing more I can do. It feels like the writing's on the wall. It feels like the final chapter has been written. Sometimes I, I see myself as Mary. Lord, don't you care? Lord, I'm crying out to Jesus. Jesus, please, on behalf of other people. I'm saying, like, as a pastor, that's that's a lot of what we do. We pray behind your back. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> we pray behind your back all day long. Lord Jesus, don't you care about them? Seriously, when people are going through the most difficult seasons, I find myself sometimes thinking, geez, Lord, these are good people. I love them, I know you love them more than I love them. Can't you come through for them? And I intercede on their behalf. We see maybe Lazarus petitioned on his behalf, but intercessions when you're calling on God's blessing for someone else's behalf. And we see Mary doing this, crying out, Lord, please, come, come be with the one that you love. I see myself in different spaces in this story. I don't know where you see yourself in this story today. Maybe you see yourself as Mary or as Lazarus, needing the Lord to come through for you. Maybe you feel like the final chapter has been written. But I don't want to say God gets the final say. God always gets the final say. I don't know how you're ending this year or how you started this year or how you start next year, but I want to say this, when it's all said and done, Jesus always gets the final say. He always does. And that gives me comfort because you know why? Because he's our loving father. My loving father in heaven gets the final say. The one who died to save me gets the final say. If he gets the final say and he gave everything for me, surely his final word will be a good one. Surely it'll be good news. I love what Timothy Keller says, the late Timothy Keller. He says, the only thing that death can do for the believer is make life infinitely better. The only thing that death can do for the believer is make life infinitely better. My time is wrapping up briefly. We've only got two hours left. the The team can join me on stage if they like. They don't have to, but they can. It's your choice. So just discern what the Spirit is doing. You can join me. That's an invite. That's an invite. That's it. <laughs> you could just get up on stage. Levi, do a backflip. I'm going to be honest. When Levi yeah. led that one song, my eyes were clear. I was like, let's go. Anyway, good pair of jeans, Levi's. I, sorry, I'm just a bit distracted. So we look back on this time where the word reminds us that Jesus came for us and died as us. We look at them in this account where it feels like the final chapter's written yet Jesus has the final say and the dead man came out of his grave. In September uh, I have, we are part of an organization called ARC and we help other churches launch all over our country myself and Katie help lead part of the team and, and it's a great privilege to be there and have a conference that happens in, in Joburg in September and it's awesome. We have a lot of fun and church planters get together and We just sort of cry with one another, it's so tough. (laughs) And uh, we just have a good old time, and and it's amazing, it's a big jewel, there's lots of food, amen. And uh, we're staying in this hotel, and we packed out this hotel, a whole bunch of people. And my friend Brett, he leads a church out in Lesotho, whose church's name is Legacy Church, how cool's that? I didn't even know that, it's like, what a quinky dink. Um, People don't say that anymore, hey, I'll stop. And uh, so myself and Brett, uh, we arrived in there Tuesday night, and conference is bumping on Wednesday morning. And uh, it's awesome. So myself and Brett decide, obviously, yeah, we're going to go gym because that's what we do. Levi, that's what we train. Obviously, it's easy. You can just see. And so myself and Brett, we, we, we go to gym uh, Wednesday morning. It's just after 6 a.m. So we had been up for about four hours praying and, and then as pastors do. And, uh, and so we're training and this, and this other gentleman walks in the gym. And he asked me the question. said, hey, bro, are you going to, I've never seen him before, are you going to use the treadmill? I was offended. I don't know if that was a question or a suggestion. I was like, seriously, I was like, I'm, anyway, I decided not to lay hands on him in that way. Um, so I said, no, no, no sir, it's, it's all yours. I'm, I'm not much of a runner. I, just, I said that, I'm not much of a runner. You know what he said? He said, don't worry, bro, I, I know a guy who looks just like you. He's a great runner. He said that to me. I've never met him. I almost knocked him out. But the hotel was full of pastors, so I couldn't have done that. And so myself and Brett are training, and uh, we're we, we doing push-ups. How many push-ups do you ask? All the push-ups. We're just doing all the push-ups. We're doing all the benches. We're doing all the squats. We're just doing everything, I mean, just the most. And so we, we're training, and about 10 minutes into the training, we hear the gentleman fall behind us, he falls off the treadmill. And we run, we run to his side, and we, we think he's having a seizure. So I put him on his side, Myself and Brett in the recovery position, and uh, we we try and secure him, and then uh, Brett's holding his head. I run into the the passage, and I I bump into two of our teammates, Carlo and Timor. I say, run down to the the foyer, phone the paramedics. I think he's having a seizure. It could be even a heart attack. We come back into the gym. We start working on him. It's not a seizure. It's not a stroke. He's having a massive heart attack. It's peak hour traffic in Johannesburg. They couldn't get there for over an hour to the site. Myself and Brett, there was first aid kit. We worked on him for over an hour. We wouldn't stop working. We carried on, we carried on, we carried on. Unfortunately, at 6.26 that morning, that gentleman went to go be with the Lord. It's just before, it's like this strong contrast of like, geez, we're about to bump into conference, this great thing, and I just, this crazy moment. I had to phone his wife. They actually live in Cape Town. I spoke to her last week. It's her first Christmas. I phoned her. Just to let her know. She lives in southern suburbs. They've got a boy. And uh, just to let her know that our doors are always open. We've been reaching out, praying for her. His mom phones his phone. I answer the phone. She said, my boy. I said, my name, I'm so sorry, ma'am. My name is Dino. I was with your boy. He's gone to be with the Lord. She's weeping. She, I asked her, did, did he know the Lord? She said, yes, no, he loved the Lord. He knew the Lord. He's with Jesus now. She asked me, did he suffer? I said, he didn't suffer. He was almost non-responsive straight away. It was a massive heart attack. And I asked myself the question, we prayed. I mean, we interceded. Uh, Carlo was singing resurrection. We we did everything we could, but we couldn't bring life to his body. We did everything. We couldn't bring life to his body. And in that moment, I was reminded of like a, a weird scripture. It was like crazy. It's Jeremiah chapter 2.13. It says, they've left me the living well and built for themselves cisterns that leak water. I don't know why that came to me. And I realized that came to me because sometimes we try everything we can to bring life to, to ourselves. We do everything we can to bring life to our bodies, bring life to our family. We, we do all we can to bring life, but there is no life outside of God. There is no life outside of Jesus. It's like building cisterns that leak. And in that moment, it's like seared in my mind. We did everything we could to bring physical life to this gentleman, but we couldn't do it. But we know that he's in eternity for heaven. And I'm so grateful for that truth. And his family know and love the Lord. But I just felt like I was reminded, like so many people live their entire lives trying to bring life to themselves. But there is no life outside of the resurrection life in Jesus. And this is the good news today, that he invites you and he invites me to receive this life that we cannot earn, that we cannot make, that we cannot buy, that he gives freely. You know, as I was driving around the area, I got all these posters, donate blood, go down to the bowls club. So, so evident that out of one person's sacrifice, other lives might be saved. Well, isn't that the truth of the gospel? That one life was given so that all may be saved. And I don't know where you find yourself, Lazarus, Mary, in this text, where you find yourself today with your family, but I do know the invites are still out there. That you don't need to find life or bring life to yourself. He died so that you might just receive it as a gift.